Okay, guys, um, welcome to episode 17 of the BJJ 101 Story Podcast. Today we have an awesome um, guest, Petrus. How do I pronounce your last name? Vandervolt. Vandervolt. Petrus Vandervolt. Yep, that's a very. Um, it's Dutch, isn't it? The, Dutch, uh, South African, but Dutch, it's yeah. Dutch South African. Yeah, Dutch South African, yeah. yeah. Um, the, no, proper way, uh, the proper way to pronounce it is actually Vandervolt. Thunderbolt. And my name is like Pietrus. Pietrus, yeah. which Pietrus. means the rock. Yes, the rock. <laughs> the rock, I know. Exactly and, the I, rock. and I won't even let you try my second name because you've got to be a good spitter. So yeah. my second name is Gerhardus. Gerhardus. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> is this like in Afrikaans or is this in. Uh, no, that's just the way it's pronounced in, in, in Afrikaans. Yeah. Okay, well. Gerhardus. Yeah. Boy, it's it funny, like we just talk about, like, we had this conversation before. Uh, Anthony and I, and then we talked to you like that. We had this dream of doing a documentary for you because you're such an interesting guy, you have yeah. such a, a rich life, a, yeah. a amazing uh, a life story. You know what I mean? Like, you've been in so many countries, you've done so many things that, um, like a super interesting guy. We thought about it before. I mean, we should do a documentary on Netflix with like three <laughs> chapters on this guy, man. Because yeah. I remember for years and years, we walk in the days and we keep on talking about um. Oh, we've got to do a documentary. Got to do documentary. We, we really dream about it. We mm-hmm. think it's going to be like amazing, you know, and, and we're so happy that to have you here today because we can actually get you know a little bit better and, and it'll be super interesting, man. I'm looking forward to it. And it feels, for me, it's like, because I've been trained for quite a while because of COVID and injuries. Mm-hmm. When I walked in the door, it just felt like home again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good to hear you. Again. Good to hear Yeah, no, I have that too, man. As well, man. I heard my name. They're calling out when you're in the car before. Um, so we always start with a fairly like generic, basic question. But what what we're trying to ask is like just talk about yourself a little bit, your childhood, your, your childhood, your upbringing, your early life. Um, you know where you lived, what you used to do for work, or what roles you used to have, and also kind of where you got introduced to martial arts. That's generally what we start with. Yeah, well, well I'm 61 now. Yeah, and. Um, I lived um, up to 1993 in South Africa, brought up in a place called um, Queensborough, Malvern, which is just outside Dur- Durban, which is on okay. the East Coast. Yeah. So we're about um, 15, 10 minutes away from the, the main city itself where, where we grew up. And um, in my primary school and that, like, um, we used to, like, there's a dispute there, you make a big circle and you just have a big punch up. Yeah. And there's always this one guy there, there's a big tall, I'll never forget his face, big tall guy, and he used to pick on everybody, huh? And every day I used to go tell him, listen, I'll meet you after school, meet you after school. And this guy used to beat me every time. Because I didn't know how to fight yeah. what to do. But I just felt it wrong that this guy kept on picking on all these other people, you know? yeah. And then um, when I went to high school, um, uh, I had, again, I had fights, got beaten up, all this stuff. And then I saw this post about guys kicking and flying, all this stuff like that. I'm going to try this thing, you know. And after, because that day we were pretty poor, my parents and we couldn't afford things like that, you know. So after a while, my parents allowed me to go do karate, you know? How old and, were you at the time when you went to go to start karate? Uh, 11 years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. And then I, I'll never get, forget my first fight with the karate. Well, we were busy playing basketball and these two twins um, pushed me over and we had one that had a big fight. So straight down, I just went like a boom, boom, knocked him out, and that was it, you know. Oh, this works, man. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Because, uh, because I hit this guy, I knocked him out, 
you sort of become, you get like a reputation. So yeah. Everybody sort of leaves their alone from their moments, you know. Uh-huh. Like if a fight does happen, like I know that maybe the guy can beat me up, but they're hesitant because they know what I can do. And karate at that stage was like, if you did it, you were like the Bruce Lee in the, in the neighborhood, you know. Yeah. Everybody's like big shit scared of you, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but still, um, the, my instructor I had in those days was um, because we had nothing in South Africa, they had to go to Japan to learn. Yeah. And in those years in the 70s, um, in the 60s, when they trained, they trained like full on. It was like, if you don't Full contact, yeah, yeah. like full contact, you know, where it's supposed to be like semi-contact, this sport. And so every time he comes back, we'll just bam, bam, knock the shit out of each other, fight. And calluses, like even today, I can feel the calluses in my lips from the amount of times. Like if you didn't walk off the floor bleeding, you didn't have a good session, you know. And, um, <laughs> but nowadays you can't do that because yeah. you get sued and all that, you know. Yeah. And those are really good days. I really made the karate, uh, not karate, but made you as a strong person, you know. 100%, yeah. You you, you know what I mean? Iron, iron sharpens iron kind yeah. of idea. It, you, and, and we talk about this a lot of the time with lots of martial arts. Like the beginning stages of all martial arts came from real fighting, real warfare, all this stuff. It, it's only now that it's become more commercialised and fitting into society where it can be... Um, you know, helpful for all people or be open to all people that it's become more, you know, that commercial idea. Yeah. yeah. And it's also become too much of a, of a, a sports martial arts, karate and all the other things. <coughs> all the yeah, other. A lot of same. people emphasize on trying to score points, you know. Yeah. And like, uh, even even in our style, we, we when we have tournaments, we don't have age or, um, or weight division. It's just the other black belt or, or not. that's it, yeah. you know, yeah. And the thing is, and there's only one rule in our one, is that no excessive context, you know. So you can't go up the guy and just break his jaw, you know. And then he gets the warning to disqualify. But if you're fighting a guy and you hit him and he clashes and he breaks his jaw or whatever, you could end up winning the fight because it's a perfect technique, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about our karate. And if they do tournaments, because it's real, like real life, you only got one opportunity and so you got to get it right first time, you know. So anyway, so um, from those days and... Uh, and then when I did my apprenticeship in the, what the 80s? No, the late 70s, 79 I started. And then I went to the, the Border War, which is... A, what what did you do an apprenticeship in? I did um, as a toolmaker. Okay. Conjection mines, yeah. But I first started off in the mine working as a machinist, and then when I left that, I went straight into toolmaking. Okay. So anything out of plastic, like blow molds and the caps, so anything you see out of plastic... Yeah. I used to make the mold for it and then they just pumped them out. You know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so and then while after my after my start of my karate and, and um, like when I when I got a bit more mature in age and I, I tried different things. I tried like boxing, wrestling, judo. I enjoyed the judo. The boxing I didn't quite enjoy because every time I fought the guy in the ring, I kept on kicking him. You know, because <laughs> it's just natural, you know. So eventually I thought, maybe I better not do this because they want to stop me from kicking. And I want to just. When I'm boxing, I see a gap on the kick, you know. Mm-hmm. So I gave that away. And plus, um, I don't like to get hurt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> in karate, you, you avoid getting punched, you know. So you, a lot of lot of times you just defend, defend, and when you see open, and then you attack type of thing, you know. So you don't waste your energy and all that. Mashido style. Yeah. And that's when I started karate, when I started jiu-jitsu in 2013. And you kept on telling me, slow down, slow down. Because <laughs> karate is just full speed, yeah. you know. I got naught to zero to puffed in the jiu-jitsu every time. You know? mm-hmm. it took me a long time to realise, hey, speed is not 
for jujitsu now. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, so. Um, but Petrus, have you, in that time in South Africa, did you leave uh, through uh, appetite? Yeah, but um, it, we did, but it didn't affect me because, because all my friends and all working mates, even karate, we had black people with yeah, us, you know? yeah. all the times. Uh, but it was a region that wasn't affected that you were at? Or, no, or? It, it's, it's just the way, like, a lot of people, uh, the international brought it more worse than what it was. Okay. Obviously, there were separate toilets and separate areas for the whites to sit and the blacks to sit, but... That sort of faded away pretty quick when Mandela became the headlight of everything. You know? yeah. But before that, before him, and that, like I said, people says, oh, we, we are, how can you train? No black people are allowed to do this. And I thought, the day I started, there were black people fighting less than me doing the same training and things like that, you know? So in, in a way, it didn't affect me because I wasn't, it was there, but I wasn't aware of it because I just came my normal life. Yeah, so a lot of the activities other... that you were involved in and working with and stuff, you were already working in an integrated kind of yeah. situation. Yeah. But like, did you did you leave, how old are you at that time? Like, like did you, so at that time you were there that you're talking about it right now, was that right at the end of the appetite or it was worse before? No, because... Um, Like I said, when I when I started karate in 1971, yeah, 1971, it sort of at that stage it started to break up, you know. So before yeah. that, um, like in the 60s, and that was really bad. And yeah. I sort of, I sort of got born in the stage where it was slowly fading out, you know. Yeah. It was still there, but it, for like I said, because it, it didn't affect me, and, and I, I wasn't made aware of it until the international. Um, coverage, on, yeah. coverage, and, folks and we on. didn't have TV or anything like that. So we didn't know what the outside world was talking to us about then, because TV only came in late in South Africa, you know. Yeah. And when it did come, all we had was test pattern, we were just watching it for days and days and days <laughs> until they push a button and it came on. You know? So what were you saying is that they had the same rights, absolutely the same rights? Like could they could they vote? Could they um, go any club? Could they go? Any school or not? No, none of that. They weren't allowed to, no. <laughs> But in the sport arena, they were, in especially karate, there was mm. no apartheid there, you know. I But think martial arts is, is amazing at that. Like, you have all cultures, eh? It's like, all you know, like, it's super uh, open for that. It doesn't have discrimination, you know what I mean? Like, in terms of, man, any culture, it doesn't matter. It's. A, I think that's um, especially because, like, Like you're saying, in, in South Africa at the time or where martial arts or things are becoming like the beginning stages of the art itself, you don't have the ability to go, all right, you guys can't train, only we can. You're going to have two people training there. So you just want to get as many people involved as possible to build that art, that martial art, that thing up. It's the same with um, jiu-jitsu here in, in Australia. When people first started, there was two or three people in classes. And a lot of the time, those classes were in someone's garage. Even Hickson talks about that hmm. going to the US. You know what I mean? It's someone's garage and he's doing, you know, 10 privates a day or whatever in a garage hmm. with somebody. Like the initial stages of building anything up, man, you, you can't afford to say no to people, man. You can't afford to do it. And the thing is, like our instructors, uh, they went to Japan every year and lived there, lived there for like six months, three months a year. Hmm. So they, they, were, they were used to... Um, different cultures yeah, and different training. Stuff, yeah. So when they brought it back, it, it wasn't like a pocket because they were used to training. Yeah, they would just go there yeah. and train with Japanese Yeah, so people, when they came yeah. back, the, the doors opened to everybody. You know? So mm. anyone, anybody who walked in the door was allowed to train. You know? mm. So there was no... But yes, on the other side of the schools and buses and all that stuff, 
separate. It's separate. It's yeah. separate. Yeah. And the the like for them, for example, to go to could they go to your house, for example? Yeah, yeah, that can. You could sense. invite them, and they could actually go to yeah, your yeah. house. Yeah, but the thing is, um, because the last days I was young, and so obviously I, I I didn't invite them to my place because I was a young fella then. You know? yeah. And when I went working. Uh, again, I was like by myself in like a unit, so there wasn't no, you come to my house, we have a barbecue type of thing. You know? So mm-hmm. in the workforce, we would um, um, work with them, and then on weekends, I used to go to their places because they used to have like barbecues big, uh, and stuff. Uh, yeah, big meals and things like that. And so they always used to invite like, you. Hey, come over, go for a meal yeah. or something, especially like on the Indian side, you know? Yeah. And um, those are meals, they make good meals in India. <laughs> Um, so there was a, is there a large Indian community in South Yeah, they're they equivalent to, I think, well, I left there were 5 million whites, 5 million um, uh, Indians, and about 5 million you know, coloreds, which was the mix between the, the black and the white. Yeah. And then there were about 60 million Africans. So yeah. their proportion to the white Indian was about the same. Okay. Yeah. So, Patrick, there was actually armed fight to, to have this freedom at the time. Yeah, so what happened was um, um, there were a few parties, like the ANC, the FLAPU, and there's another organisation. They were all trying to fight. Like Southwest Africa, they were trying to fight for their freedom there because uh, they wanted to be part of the government and all that stuff. And then the ANC, uh, which was the Mandela side, he wanted to the same thing, get rid of apartheid and, and, and come in. But the way he went about it was wrong because he was on the militant side of it, so he was more... Uh, aggressive as he planting bombs and things like that. And when they started doing that, and then they decided, well, the border is quite big, so we'll just go across to make them from... Because they were coming from Angola in, they got trained by the Russians and the Cubans all had to come into South Africa and do all the bombings there. So we we had to protect the borders to stop them coming in to South Africa. You know? So that end, that war ended up, oh, I don't know, must have been about 20 years or something. I could be wrong, but it was quite a long border war. You know? yeah. And, um, Were you engaged on this on these um, these fights that yeah. back on the day? Did you have like a side where you defended? Yeah. So basically, um, um, the whole of uh, Southwest Africa was divided up into sections, and in South Africa, those years you had you had to do two year compulsory military policy. service. You had yeah. to do it, you know, there was, unless you were going to study or something like that, or, or mental illness or something like that. So um, in, in, what happens is in, in Southwest Africa, they divide up all in sections. So each, each company, which is made up of, of platoons and sections, had a certain section they had to look after to stop the terrorists from coming through. And that, you know? So are the terrorists like associated with certain political groups or parties or whatever, and they're just doing activities to support their group yeah. or something like that? Yeah, well, that's the thing. They were, they were trying to... Like, uh, uh, put fear in the in the European one well, in the white people's thing so they can squash the um, apartheid things so they could come in type of thing and then yes. take over not take over but try to share the government you know? mm. but um, it took a while before that happened because while they were while they were bombing them they, it wasn't going to happen while the fighting was going on you know and then I think I, I can't remember how it ended but um, I think they had a truce with Mandela coming out and then they stopped it and all this and then he's stopped all the bombing and all that. But in those two years when I was there, it was full on warfare, you know. Yeah. Like, um, if you don't shoot them, they're going to shoot you, you know. So, and, like, a lot of times you'll see uh, on TV, like, the little kids getting shot and all that type of stuff. 
But um, when you're in a war situation, if a person, whether they're 10-year-old or 40-year-old, aiming a gun at you, mm. you've got an option but to shoot them. Otherwise, you're going to die. You know? So yeah. in a warfare, the age doesn't matter. If they've got a weapon in their hand, you're going to die. Either how, you or them. how was the violence back in South Africa? Because um, a lot of people don't have, uh, you know, like a lot of people from Western countries, like, you know, first world countries, they don't understand how different it is the the atmosphere you know like of like of living in a in a very unequal place you know very uh, where poverty is part of the community in a big time so what do you what was the, the violence back then as well like well, see, the Africans are very tribal and um, even still today they uh, the the conflict that happens there is between uh, the different tribes in the old days they used to use spears and shields now they use guns but they are still like that. The, 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 the Africans are, are, are because weapons are so easy accent, they've, they've become a very violent society. You know? Like, for example, they're breaking the house, shoot the whole family up just for a loaf of bread or something. You know? yeah. But um, me being brought up with them, um, because they like to fight, I used to fight, so we used to have a lot of fights with them, but real fights. you know. For example, I used to um, um, run a workshop and um, I had a lot of Africans underneath me. Uh, and they wouldn't listen to me. They only listened to the Induna, which is a chief guy who looks after me. So what happens, uh, for me to get the respect, I have to take the Induna outside. We have a big fight. I beat him up. And then they'll listen to me because I've looked, I've beat up the Induna, the chief. Yeah. So if I say to the Induna, listen, this guy's causing me a problem. Next day, the cop comes in, cuts all over the black eyes. <laughs> so they um, started respecting me because... Uh, uh, um, sort of equal to the their chief type thing. So we had a lot of um, lot of fights, even as kids. You know, you had to do kids. like ritualistic things to kind of like earn respect or or like uh, your position within their like social hierarchy kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, because they they and that's the way they they um, that's the way the tribals do. You know, this tribe fights against this tribe to dominate who's the strongest to get to respect. Yeah, it's very it's like a very primal um, way of building. Um, the hierarchy. It's like I'm the biggest, I'm the strongest, I'm the guy. You know, that's how they used to pick the chieftains of, of tribes and stuff like that. This guy's the most dangerous, the biggest, the strongest, got the best leadership. Listen to him. And if you don't want to, all right, let's go and see. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, even today, like, um, now you'll see, the, like, the last president of Zuma that got kicked out for all the bribes and all the money and all the sexual stuff that happened against him. But for the Western world, we can't accept what he did. But yeah. his people do accept what he did because for them, he's their leader. And as long as their leader is happy, they are happy. So as whatever the leader wants to do, they can do. They do not care because that's their leader. He's entitled to do that. But us Westerners, we see what he's doing and we say, hey, you can't do that. That's wrong, you know? Yeah. So the Westerns, the Western interfered in their... their um, Dynamic. Uh, yeah, their, their, yeah, their culture type of yeah. thing. Right? Yeah, well, it's very hard to... It's very easy to sit with your understanding or perspective of things and say, oh, that's wrong and that's bad and this and that. And it's like, this, this is something that I talk about with jiu-jitsu all the time. And it's like, it doesn't matter what um, ideology you pick, what technique of thing you pick, what car you pick, whatever. There's always a, a positive thing about what you're doing and there's always a negative thing about you doing. And because, um, you know, he's, you know, doing the things that you said, accepting bribes and doing all this stuff and blah, blah. And, you know, they are wrong, but I'm sure there's some <coughs> redeeming qualities to how we led people as well. It's no different than, you know, you pick a Western leader or a person in a Western country. There's things that they do that are redeeming and there's things that they do that are just as horrible. Whether it's not as in your face, but it's, oh, I made a deal with this pharmaceutical company to do this and that. Like, like, there's always negativity in everything people do, man. 
Mm. There's no one way that's like, and people talk about that with warfare and things as well. Like, oh, it's horrible and it's all right. So there's no warfare. There's no rules. Everything's utopian. Have a look at how violent people can be. Mm. You have to, like, there's no perfect way to run anything. Anything you do, there's going to be a negative aspect to it. And I think it's really easy for people to sit in their bedroom, in front of their computer, on their phone, whatever, and go and type it and criticize everything. Put yourself in that position and see mm. how you're going to manage and run things. It's not that simple. Yeah. Life's not that simple. Uh, and what I like about the Zulus, the Zulus are from um, from my part of the world. Yeah. And what happens to them is like in the old days, um, the, the women used to work in the fields, the men used to go over the mountain, fight, fight with other people, come home, get drunk, and that was their routine, you know. Yeah. So that's why they like violent, but they like to fight, you know, because that's their culture, you know. But they're, they're just reverting back to, like, the most natural instinct of human beings, which is, you know, the position of the women in, in their society is to care, to soothe, to, to mother children, to do all the feminine aspect of things, and then the men are to go and hunt and to go and find food and to be warriors and to protect their tribe and their city and stuff like that. And as violent as that is and as and as um, primal as that is, we haven't changed much. No. And, and whether it's us sitting here now in this situation talking about all these things, like we're no different to them. And, and the thing is, is at least they're just being honest about <coughs> you know, what they want to do and, and how they behave. I think everybody, you know, in, especially in Western societies, they put their suit on and they, you know, pretend that they're, above their biology and, you know, I'm this sophisticated thing. No, man, you're an ape as well. You drag, you used to drag your knuckles on the floor as well. Like, it, 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 you haven't evolved that much over millions of years. You're very similar to them and, and there's not much difference. And the thing is, is if they were put in that position, they'd probably be doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Petrus, uh, uh, because you, you have both experiences, I think I can relate to you on that sense. Like, you, you brought up in with a system that, not every kid that will need to study or wanted to study can study. Not everyone that needs to go to a hospital will have a vacancy to go to the hospital, mm. you know, which is absolutely different than here. It's a completely different reality. Mm. So, and now here for many years already, you know, you, you came earlier, you, you did your life here, etc. So you got both experience. Do you feel, because do you feel that when you look back now there, you feel a little bit more um, angry and more like uh, you disagree a lot more because you then you had the ability to live in a system that thinks, yes, you have corruption. Yes, you have like, you know, agreements behind the desk. But at least the core things to make a community better, which they're supposed to do works, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's a foundation that is actually failing, you know what I mean, in my opinion. Do you have this understanding as well? Not on the angry side of it, no, because... Um Hey, you move on. You, know, you learn by mistakes and you move on. Yeah. But a lot of the, a lot of the Africans, especially young generation, they use. They weren't even born in the apartheid. They use that as an excuse. Yeah, yeah. and they still oh, it was apartheid. You know, this is what I am now because of apartheid. You know, so they can't let go. So they're always walking around the chip on their shoulder. You know? Whereas me, it's like when I realized everything was wrong, what we did those days, I didn't feel guilty about it because... It you wasn't you really doing it. it was yeah. Just, yeah. I'm not necessarily talking about the apartheid. I'm talking more about the 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 unequal uh, world. Like, so have you been back to South Africa? No, no. Oh, that's that's different. Because what I'm saying, like, when I go back to Brazil and I look at the reality there or I look what everything's like a few transactions, you know what I mean, that I have to do or the system. I have to use the system. You know, I have to go to the bank 
or I have to go to the hospital or I have to rent a, a car, which happened to me. And I, I read the contract. There's things that goes on that are like a completely disagree, you know what I mean? Because they're not the same as here. But you haven't been back. So wow, maybe man. that's in that level you can't relate it to me. Yeah, it it makes me really angry in a way. Because for me, I still got this beautiful picture of what South Africa looks like. Anybody come back and tell me how bad it is, right? Yeah. So I can't relate to that yet because yeah. I haven't been back. You know, pictures, uh, what they tell me, I can't picture it. I can't picture it, but it's the... In my mind, I have the beautiful. You kept good, yeah. You kept yeah. good, good memories. Yeah, yeah the yeah. memory of your childhood and enjoyment, yeah. and, and, and all fun. And, 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 and I can understand these people because there's um, um, no doll system or there's no money for them and things like. Because what happens is the government promises them every time there's an election, they promise them, uh, they just promise them the world, you know. And then they come out from the bush and they come into the cities. Uh, suddenly, that's not there for them, so they just live, live in the streets and things like that, you know. And then revert to violence. And yeah, like because there's no money and, and all that stuff. So nothing else to do. They have to. They have to steal. Yeah, fundamentally, when this the system fails, that's will. Doesn't matter how you keep an eye. You know what I mean? Like, and you don't. You don't want to look at that, and you have your life. Oh, I, okay, I, I'm, I'm well. I make money. My main family is well, but eventually, like a kid that doesn't go to school is gonna put a, a gun in your head. Eventually. That will reflect on your well-being, you know what I mean. Mm. So that's why I get a bit angry sometimes, you know, with that at the time. And the thing is, like, um, I don't get angry, but what I see sometimes is like they have all the infrastructure they have, but when they get upset or something, they go burn it down, they burn the schools down. <laughs> and think, why do you do that? True, you know? true. Yeah. You're fighting for it, but then they give it to you, and then you go burn it down. You know? that's but that, true. that's no different than the stuff happening here in, in Australia, in Melbourne, and stuff like that. Of people getting upset, it's like. People have all this rage and anger and they're unhappy about their situation, but they don't channel it into anything productive. They actually work against themselves. They're so caught up in emotion that they actually destroy the things that were beneficial to them, like schools, like mm. the infrastructure of housing and and, and uh, businesses and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the time, the people that you're destroying, man, they're in the same position as you. You know what I mean? They go in Melbourne, they smash all these car windows and break people's cars and burn things down and whatever will happen in the US. Same with COVID, man. You're just destroying people's businesses. Like, what's that got? That's not affecting the government. That doesn't change anything. And, you know, like, everyone's always going to be critical of whatever governing system that's involved because it's impossible to be perfect. Mm. It's impossible to make everybody happy, to make decisions that are going to um, benefit everyone. Now, most of the time the problem is is the people that are in those positions don't really consider the effect on the majority. They just think about uh, what's going to be best for us and our group of people that are involved and they make deals with people that they know that makes more money for them. And, it make, and they're, they're not really governing for everybody. They're just governing for themselves. And, of course, it's going to make people angry. You know what I mean? But what do you do? It's a very difficult system. Some people are doing the right thing. Some people aren't. And it only takes a small percentage of people to ruin everything for mm. everyone, just like the people getting upset and angry and burning down schools and everything. Yeah, and especially today, you have so many different cultures living yeah, in one, one thing, and, yeah. and, and the, the, their friction. rules are different to their yeah. rules. And, and to try to come to happy media, it's, it's pretty hard, you know. Mm. I know a lot of people say, oh, when in Rome do the Romans do, you know, but sometimes it's hard to get that culture out of them to, yeah. to fit in, you know. Absolutely. Especially like the Africans and like in, in, I think it's Melbourne or down there somewhere. One of those uh, states. Yeah. yeah. Like the Africans come there and they, they still have that, that, that thing of fighting, sorting their problems out, 
and come in here and you know we call it gang wars but it's yeah. just tribal wars yeah. you know? that family fucking against that family because, because over there there were different tribes tribes yeah mm-hmm. so yeah we call them big gang fights and yeah. things like that you know? so Beatrice when you came to Australia uh, at what point you become a karate coach or I mean, was it South Africa I've been coaching um, since 1979 because um So in South Africa, when I was training, there weren't many clubs around. There was just judo and karate, and they were far from each other, you know. <laughs> so when I went and did my apprentice up in a place called Newcastle, which is a, a mining town, yeah. steelwork place, um, there was one guy that was teaching me, and um, because I come from the city, I had a lot of more knowledge than, than he did sort of thing. And so we shared the coaching role. So I've been teaching... For Yonks, you know, we've been karate now 50 years. This is my 50th year oh, wow, doing karate. You know, 50. So, yeah, so I've been coaching most of my life. Yeah. And you have a very uh, important role in the karate history of Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with the Australian uh, karate community as well? Yeah, Please. well, um, like in the beginning when I first came out, I came from a very harsh environment, like the training was, you don't block it in up with a Black eyes and blood all over the show. No paddings, no paddings? No, no paddings, no, <laughs> no, no, And then when I came here, yeah, we used to have um, like, a, um, uh, like a, a Monday morning session where it was just full on, you know? Yeah. So I thought I'd try. Yeah, so I thought I'd try to, yeah, invite all brown and black belts from different organizations to come and train. So, so the first night, there was about 50 people. And it was really hard because we went full on, you know? And um, next week... There was only 10. Because <laughs> 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 like, the, the Australians don't like that stage. They don't like that, that hardcore type yeah. of fighting from the karate side of it. You know? <laughs> But, yeah, my teaching has been uh, um, from the beginning, you know, because, like I say, in South Africa, at that stage, the dojos were so far apart, you know, that um, for me to go train, I, I used to do that every weekend. I'd go down, travel 400 kilometers, go down for the weekend, train with my instructor, Go back and reteach it, yeah. and, and that's what my cycle every weekend traveling down to, to Durban to further myself, you know. When did you do competitions and stuff like that as well for karate at the time? Yeah, or? I did, yeah, yeah. I've, I've lost more than I won, you know. So yeah. I've, I've, I've represented um, uh, a province, which is Natal, which is like representing Queensland. Yeah. I've represented them in, um, in JKA which is the affiliation of Blanc to the Japan Karate Association. Yeah. Like, they're one of the, they one of the, uh, the main ones that came out of Akinawa and, and one of the main uh, traditional styles, you know. Yeah. And there's five other ones, and um, they have competitions among themselves, which is called all-styles type of thing, you know. Yeah. And um, so and that one, uh, I sort of won it, a few of those, and I represented. But on a national level, I didn't do so well. Yeah. Um, I used to travel a lot to Europe because I had a girlfriend in Switzerland. So I did a lot of tournaments in, in, in Switzerland and Europe and uh, uh, one of my major achievements was I had a big, massive international thing. I think about 27 countries came together yeah. and uh, we got in the final, one of the world champions, and I took him down to the last point and he beat me. So. But just to reach the finals, yeah. it was like, yeah. for me, it was like, wow. You know? And then Australia, same thing, and I did a lot of tournaments um, Um, but I'm not I'm not a very tournament orientated person. I do it more for the kids because uh, some of them they need some sort of in, in outlet for yeah, yeah. You know, to see what else is there. They like to come under the medals and all 
this type of stuff, you know. Mm. And um, um, so, yeah, I did a lot of that. I even did the All Styles, yeah, which was involved with Kung Fu, kick, you know, every single style. Yeah. They come together and they have a tournament, you know. So I won that a few times, but um, eventually I stopped doing that because what happens, the more tournaments you do, the more your karate becomes weak because you're just emphasizing on scoring points, but not on the self-defense side of it, you know. Yeah. Like all the techniques I teach, you're not allowed to do that in tournaments because yeah. you get disqualified, you know. Yeah. And in self and and uh, in self defense and street fighting, you know, there's no rules, you know. So, yeah. And you can't keep on teaching people. Oh, you don't do that, you're gonna get disqualified. You go on the street and the guy hits him, and you, and you can't hit him because you're not used to hitting. Um, the, the, uh, yeah, to the stop the guy from fighting. Yeah. You know? So do you, do you have like a um, uh, similar kind of commonality with Eduardo? Like the. When, for example, like we've talked about this before, but your coaches would say things like, man, you went on the weekend to like this, you know, party with all the friends and oh, there was a huge fight and whatever. Oh, did you did you break everything? Did you smash them? Did you win them? Whatever. And you're like, yeah, all right, good job. If it wasn't wrong, it would be upset maybe. Was it kind of like a similar style with the karate stuff? Yeah, when I was like, because I was in a mining town and um, doing my apprentice all that there. How old were you at the time <laughs> doing the apprenticeship? Uh, I was also about 17 or 18. Okay, yeah. And, um, well, I must have been drinking age 18 because yeah. I, I had hundreds of pub fights. You know? Yeah. Because of the mining town, you know, you just, yeah. just get bored. So yeah. You walk the in pub. the pub and, you know, the guy looks at you uh, too long and what are you looking at? A big fight. Yeah. <laughs> Chairs get thrown around. Yeah. And, so, yeah, a lot of um, a lot of my karate I teach, teach, I know it works because I've tried it in, in Real situations, yeah, 100%. Like, we don't stand there big fighting. It's, it's a way to deliver. With my hands down there, with my hands there, it's just how to, from that position, to hit someone hard enough to stop the fight, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to perfect that, you know, like in karate, uh, the hips is the most important part because that, that gives you speed and then, then you tighten your core muscle to get you the power on the end of it, you know? Mm. So um, in, the street, in the street fight, uh, you use your hips uh, no, no matter what you do with your hands and uh, so sort of down or up and that's how my street fighting involved from the karate side of it you know mm-hmm. but I don't go there and stand so let's have a fight yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again like in a mining town you get a reputation and eventually no one wants to fight with you, you know, because you, you keep knocking everyone out Petrus <laughs> so there was one guy there <laughs> and, uh, he was a, a, a boxer he was a big guy bigger than you big guy yeah. but uh, and and this guy used to beat everybody else up. And I used to always go, every time I see him, I used to go look for a fight for him. He didn't want to fight me. Yeah. <laughs> I even, like, jumped on his girlfriend, kissed his girlfriend. No, he just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to look for a fight. Because, yeah. obviously, the more the more um, beverages you have with... Um, yeah, they were less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, less of alcohol, you know? <laughs> And um, you get Dutchman courage, and then you just want to fight. You know? And they have a lot of um, barn dancers, like... Um, uh, like they, in the middle of the farm, they put up a tent and then it's a big party, big piss up, and big fights. And yeah. So, yeah, I, my, my growing up days, uh, because my instructor, he was a street fighter too, and yeah. he, used to, he was a bouncer. And his year, he was, uh, as a bouncer, he had never punched someone once. Every time he had a fight, he used to slap them and knock them out of the slap. You know? Never punch anybody. Yeah. So, every time he stopped a fight with something, he used to slap them. You know? I tried that a few times, but I thought, no, the fist is better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bus route and style, slap and sit and break your knuckles. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I enjoyed that. Even when I came to Australia, because um, I still had that uh, that violent, not like controlled violent, yeah. I like I liked that fight. 
And um, yeah, I had a one to They used that as well, eh? As oh, well, yeah. yeah. Instead of use the finger, they use like yeah. that. So there was a name for that in Brazil. I forgot the name right now, but there was a name to use like that. Yeah, the palm. Yeah. So oh. like when I teach women self-defense, I, like I, I teach them how to punch, but uh, I teach them more to hit with this because yeah. when they hit with this, they always break their knuckles, break their knuckles because they don't sure. know how to hit properly. They always hit someone on the bony part. Mm-hmm. So women, I teach this good to hit that and straight away in the eyes and things like that, you know. But yeah, even in Australia, when I moved over, I had a few fights and a few pub fights, and, and eventually I meddled out like the Australians did. I think I must have got a bit older. But, yeah. So, no, start to give up street fighting while I'm on a windy street. <laughs> Before you go too old to compete yeah. with young guys, yeah. That's why I did, uh, that's why I did um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, because... What made you start Jiu-Jitsu? I've, I've always wanted to do it when I first heard about it, you know, but... And um, I thought, geez, this will really come um, um, come well with my karate, you know, because mm, we don't sure. do much groundwork in karate, you know? Sure. And because all of us, uh, we, we believe in one punch, one kill. So if you, when you start a fight, you finish it there and there. You don't um, uh-huh. carry on with it down to the floor, you know. So we don't go that far. Uh-huh. But then uh, I, I just loved it because I did, I did Japanese jiu-jitsu for a long time you know, and uh, we didn't do any groundwork. And the teacher I had, he he was a karate. He did karate because um, a lot of the Japanese jiu-jitsu, they either have taekwondo or kung yeah. fu or something, and then they teach that as part of the jiu-jitsu curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with the guy I had, he was a karate guy, so he didn't teach me much karate, but I taught him a lot of karate. So we did a lot of um, judo stuff, like throwing and and break falls and a lot of weapons and controlling more controlling people like yeah. for security work yeah. and things like that. You know? Subduing people yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yes, uh, that type of stuff. And then um, because I was so full on with the karate and all that, I never had time to actually come to jiu-jitsu. And then I um, uh, became unemployed one day and I had time on my hand. I thought, this is it. And then I came around and saw it. Because I wanted it, when I wanted to, uh, when I do something in, in martial arts, it must be with someone that's up there. You know? Not to, I don't go to the cheapest person. I'd rather write an hour to someone that that's, um, knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know? like Always. I went to a few, a few clubs and the guys are there on their phones and watching their watches, and I thought, yeah, this is not what I wanted. When I came here, it was I thought this is this is good. You know? mm-hmm. Do you think, Petrus, uh nowadays after many years teaching, I I find that I can go where any kind of uh, uh, class instruction right could be uh, Pilates or could be yoga, and I can really quick grasp. If that person, even though I don't have much knowledge of what's going to be shown, if they have experience of what they're doing or not, do you felt that way? Oh, as well? yes, yes. As soon as, as, they, as soon as they do something on the floor, you can see straight away what type of person I am. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you're saying with anything, whether it's like even how, how somebody makes coffees or whatever, you can tell from the beginning, from right at the point of meeting the person, how they carry themselves, whether it's congruent. You know, if it's real, the yeah. thing that they're promoting it, is real. Even right? in street fighting, like, you you look at someone and say, you yeah, know, look at start a fight with this guy. They have like an aura around yeah, them, yeah, right? yeah. Uh-huh. and uh, that aura is like, so don't get in that space, you know. Yeah. Like like when I street fighting in, in, in Newcastle in the in the, in uh, where I did my apprentice, there was one guy, that short guy, much smaller than a gingerhead guy, and he's a wrestler, and yeah. I stayed away from him because um, he was just something about him was deadly. You know? mm. And a lot of fights he had, he used to beat a lot of the people up on the ground because he was a wrestler. So yeah. he just had this aura around him where I was like, stay away from me. And I did stay away from him. You know, so. yeah. Do you know, like, the other one that I have as well, like, <clears throat> and I have that very, um, 
accurate, I think. Like and when you start training with someone, you just started training. This is, I think is the, the because of many years. You and that's what I'm asking if you have that as well when you start like, sparring with someone. As soon as you started, you kind of started, you kind of have a feel on what the guy's going to be about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If the guy's going to be technical, if the guy's going to be like a brawler, if the guy just want to, you know, go rough, you know what I mean? You kind of have a sense in the first 10 seconds, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I say, like as soon as the guy starts, even like before you start fighting, because maybe we do a bit of basics before we start fighting. And the, the way he moves and his stances, all that in his in his basics, that normally they're full to suit to the fighting because uh, without the basics, you won't have good fighting. So the mm. basics normally equivalent to the fighting. Yeah, if they've yeah. got bad basics, they've got bad fighting techniques. Mm. So you normally straight away you'll do that. But in our, in JKA, um, uh, like when you're black belt, like my level, like I'm a 6'10 in, 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 in karate. Uh, and if you walk into another dojo with another six dan, you know this is going to be equal fight. But if I walk into a dojo and there's a third dan or first dan, I know um, I'm going to use him as a punch bag, unless he's like a world champion or something, yeah. or something like that. But normally, uh, you, you know, like like a jiu-jitsu, if you, if you come across a, a black belt, he's a black belt. Yeah. If you come across a blue belt, you know he's a blue belt. Yeah. You know? it's and, not, yeah I think, yeah, a lot of martial arts kind of, as they get more commercial, that doesn't, isn't yeah, as effective, like yeah, you're saying. Because yeah, because it's more... Um, uh, more having black belts on the floor to entice other people to come. You know? Yeah, yeah. Same as that style that started off the door knocking go Cameroon. Uh, when they started off in Australia, they used to go knocking the door, sign people up, and guarantee if you come join them within three months, you'll have a brown belt. Six months, you have a black belt, and you can open up your dojo. You know? I think back on the day, the like martial arts that had that initiation uh, that started with survival, right? they had a much more accurate way to grade people. So, for example, this is clear in my mind. Like, you to be a purple belt, man, there'll be... You need to put people... And they have to do at the gym. You need to put people down. There's going to be, like, champions. Like, like, man, state champion boxes will put gloves. You're going to line up and you have to put the guy down. It doesn't matter how long you're going to take. You're going to get bashed. Mm. You might get knocked out. You're going to come back up. You know what I mean? Mm. Have to put them down, dominated, boom, get, like... Uh, you need to know some boxing as well. You have to have some skills, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have to be in the middle of, like, people open hand, but everyone's smashing each other. You have to... There's a lot of different scenarios that were, like, recreated that you have to achieve. Um, to there wouldn't be this, like, okay, guys, well, how, how long is your fight in a competition? Oh, okay, seven minutes. Okay, trains will be only seven minutes. No, man. One day, mm -hmm. the coach will go, man, me and you, half an hour. That's it. Yeah. You know, there's no, but today I'm tired because I went to school and I surf. You don't care. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, if you I even say that. If I look like my, my black belt grading, yeah, even my Q grading, my color belt grading, it was, it was hard work. We used to shit ourselves to go grading because you knew that guy would go for grading and we both have to impress him. Yeah. And we get to go for it and we go for each other. There's no, there's it was a real respect, fight. But there's, if you, mm. you got to impress the examiner. Right, right? yeah. I think this is one of the biggest challenges that actually martial arts have is to keep this line. I always said that between commercial, like, you know, and martial arts. This is a very, very narrow line that you have to try to keep it in the middle. It's not easy know? to balance, man. Mm. It's super hard to balance. Either either it's too serious and people don't like it. And like you're they saying, they leave, it. like the sparring. Mm. You have uh, 51 day, 10 the next, and then it'll leave. disappear. Uh, or... You become too commercial and you're not really teaching anyone anything effective. And you're just, you're just getting belts to yeah. get, you know, money, have more people on the floor. Uh, and you have to really be 
like you have to be like you have to work on that you know what i mean hard you know what i mean very <coughs> diligently because it's a very hard thing to achieve you know yeah that's right that's right and the bigger it gets actually the more the more popular it gets the harder it gets because people have feelings and they feel more upset and you can't you can't care about that you have to be care about the art care about what you know you know what i mean yeah. what you try to to achieve yeah like in our days of grading it was always done closed doors yeah right? Like, you know, your parents went a lot of what you down to stay outside. Nowadays, it's all open. Yeah. But like I say, um, um, a lot of karate, they've sort of gone to the sports arts. So yeah. They're more about competition, getting medals and all that stuff, you know. Jiu-Jitsu is the same, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so you basically fight the rules, you know. Yeah. And whereas, uh, like, I still try not fight the rules. I still try to teach um, street fighting ways, you know. Yeah. But keeping the traditional side of in there because without that without that traditional technique that street fight won't work you know so you have to still yeah there's still that, there's still technical scenarios yeah. same with jiu-jitsu <clears throat> this works because of this this works because of this this is how it works based on an anatomy based on timing based on concepts and leverage and on and on because yeah. I mean 100% of people I'd say 99.9% of people walk in my dojo to start and I ask them why you want to do it oh they need fistless and self defence none of them come to me and say oh they want to do a competition yeah. you know mm-hmm. so I don't emphasise on competition I emphasise more on the training side of it you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's same like not many people like if you talk, have a look at the whole uh, there's data students, from yeah. International BJJ Federation where it's like 3% of all the the practitioners actually compete yeah. you know mm-hmm. so it's the small minority of people 100% uh, yeah. yeah you shouldn't gear but but like the problem is is like uh, most gyms are really geared towards that now they are geared towards the point systems of it, whether it's karate or jiu-jitsu but there's, there's another thing as well for example Petrus do you think because you, you were geared for self-defense. You geared, like, for the actual reality that the the, you, the moves that you had were more effective. They're more, like, foundational. They're more base. But people do that so well that the, and, and it's quick, sharp, you know what I mean? It's easy to perform. And because once you become more focused on sport, there's all these flowery, these kind of moves that yeah. are, like, do, does it happen to karate as well? Yeah, you, you get, you get like, I've got one student like that. He's a brown belt and uh, he's very supple. So he, he lifts his legs straight up there and I keep on telling him, mate, that's show. Don't do that, you know. Mm. Keep your legs straight. You know, kick where you want to uh, kick down there. Not keep your foot up in the air. I it's said, not a show. Like, yeah, it's not like a ballet. Yeah, I, yeah. Said, I, said, I, said, I said to him, that looks beautiful. But exactly. me, as, me as, a, as a karate person, it's useless, you know. Right. It's just... It's not going to work. Right? Unless you're doing an exhibition show or something, yeah. it's not going to be effective for you. Yeah. yeah. That's why when I teach, um, I don't teach a lot of kicks. I teach them all the kicks because they have to know it. But a lot of times, um, especially in street fight, if you want the leg is off the floor, you're, you're going to fall over. Like right? yeah. So you always try to keep your two feet on the floor, you know. Because yeah. in a street fight, I mean, that, that, for some reason, a person who doesn't do martial arts, if you kick them, it's just a natural reaction for them to grab the foot, you know. Yeah. And um, they do that, and if you end up on the floor, you know, they can take a rock and bash your head in. Mm. But that's like a statistical thing as well. Like, they, 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 that's why people are promoting jiu-jitsu so much for self-defense because with through a lot of police reports and stuff like that in the U.S. and other countries and stuff, they're like, out of the ten fights that they have that are altercations in the street, nine, eight or nine of them end up in this scramble on the ground. Mm-hmm. Man, like, people that don't know anything becomes a scramble. Now... I'm not saying that you should scramble with people on the ground. Wrestle, man, if he's got friends that can kick you in the head or whatever, but 
that's why that was like one of the points that people that were teaching jiu-jitsu and promoting is like, you're going to end up there, so you better know what to do, whether it's to get up off your feet, submit the guy, whatever, and get the hell out of there. So. It's basically if he gets to go there, you Christmas, you know, it's Christmas, yeah. you feel at home, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there, man. Yeah, like, like someone like, step on your head. Like with my training, what I do with some of the guys, when they, because I don't teach them, to, I try to avoid teaching fighting when they, yeah. lower grades because they just pick up bad habits. Once yeah. they get a habit, it's hard to get out of it. Yeah. So what I do with, uh, with the senior people now in the games, I put three or four people against him. I say, right, fuck. And, and then they realise how hard it is to fight multiple type of people. You yeah. know? That's what I say to a lot of them. If you can get out of a fight of four or five people, you get out of yeah. it. If you're not getting lost, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once they're down the floor, that's the four or five people, you get, <laughs> you get to get hurt, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, but that's what I liked about the jiu-jitsu side of when I started learning it. Also, because of my age and because... I got tired of chasing the guys, and I grabbed them, put them forward, sit on them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, even uh, like even nowadays, because I haven't fought for quite a while in those because of my things. Yeah, so when I fight them, I always put them on the floor, sit on them, side control, or just put my knee on them because they don't know. They don't know how to. Escape they don't know how to escape from. Beatrice, so, yeah. we, we you like as a coach, right? You had um, some students that actually travel. Mm. to other countries, um, you know, for competitions. And you travel many times uh, coaching or, or um, seminars, etc. And I know, know you've been to many countries, and one of them was Japan, right? Yeah. Uh, what, did you, what did you think about the differences? Like, because we've been to Japan for training jiu-jitsu, and uh, there was, we were all uh, amazed with the culture, you know what I mean, and respect towards uh, teachers and coaches, and uh, respect to the art and all that. Uh, it's nice to, to have that um, understanding, you know, the deep understanding of what martial arts is. What's your opinion about that? Well, if, if you teach in a traditional sport, you should be going to learn the traditional and the culture side of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we can't speak Japanese, so we use Japanese terminology. But um, I, I love going to Japan because, uh, number one, it, it keeps... I learn from it. So when I come back, my student, students can learn from what I've learned, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who break away from a, a good style of good affiliation, they end up getting weak because that instructor only teach what he knows. You guys can't right. teach anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you keep on going to Japan, you keep learning because they they have full, um, full-time instructors that that's all they do is teach, from, from a, not teach, train from the moment they wake up to when they go to bed. That's all they do and they try to perfect the art more and more and more, you know. They don't, I mean, they don't try to reinvent the wheel, but they just try to make it more perfect. You know? Refine. Yeah. Refine, so, yeah, refine, like, refine. Yeah. Like in the old days, um, we didn't emphasize so much on the hips and things like that, which, which is the fundamental part of karate. You know? We just f- focus on the fighting side of it, you know. Yeah. And eventually, like the Japanese, uh, the younger generation coming through, they made it more technical. So yeah. when we go to Japan, we learn Deep more. in the understanding. Yeah, so yeah. when we go there... In the beginning, when we went to Japan, it was more of a, a beat-up session because Japanese is a beat-up all Westerns, you know? Mm-hmm. But now when we go overseas, like, um, we, I go once a year. I used to go twice a year, but I go once a year. And then um, it's, it's, like, mainly for instructors. So it's not to go there and get beaten up. It's to go there and right. learn from all those in-house instructors and take notes back of what the, their understanding is of certain techniques and... And certain uh, bunkai, which is um, application to kata. Kata is a 
form her to do a set, set sort of sequences. Yeah, like a rehearsed mm-hmm. movement. Yeah, moving it's like shadow boxing to boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want to train, and you've got a partner, you do your, your cutters. Mm-hmm. And in your cutter, every single movement has an application, has a, a meaning to as in the self-defense move and things like that. Yeah. So they uh, re- they refine. Sometimes they do things, and I guess I know a bit of jiu-jitsu, and I think to myself, that's not going to work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've tried that a few times, and it's not going to work on the floor, you know, especially yeah. against you guys and things yeah. like that, you know? And um, But a lot of the stuff they do is <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And when I teach, when I learn something, it must make sense to me. If it doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to teach it, you know, mm. because... I just, I see the other side of the that's not going to work, you know. Yeah. I, something that I do want to talk about is, um, you just talked about it then with the carters and stuff like that. So most martial arts have some type of movement practice, whether it be carters, whether it be, you know, just head movement for boxing or, you know, certain straight punches or whatever without somebody else, bag work, whatever. Jiu-Jitsu has the same thing in like animal movements and solo drills and stuff like that. When you get like new students in, is that what they all start with? It was as they walk in the floor, the first thing they learn is the tradition side of it, yeah. the, what to do, the courtesy side of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That. So once they learn that, then you start from the bottom is how to make it first. How to, like on a technical level, though, is that something that is focused on for people that are starting the art or not really? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the basic fundamentals of karate, yeah. if they haven't got that foundation, they'll never become a good fighter. Correct. You know, it's a lot of times um, when I see their fighting gets a bit sloppy, I stay away from fighting and I go back to the basics because all the fighting techniques is in the basics or in the kata, huh? So certain moves, uh, we just do it over and over and over and over until they get it right and we go back to fighting. That's that's something that I would like to talk about because to do with jiu-jitsu, and I've talked about it on some of the BJJ 101 videos and stuff with solo <coughs> and stuff, is if you can't physically perform the postures, the movements, um, you don't have the mobility to get into certain postures or movements, you're not going to be able to do any techniques. So it's the same thing with like karate. If you can't do the forms of the carter and move your body like this and do this type of kick or do this type of punch without an opponent, how are you going to do that on somebody else? And I think the same for jiu-jitsu. If you can't physically move your body like this, if you can't do certain generic movements, you're not going to be able to apply it on anybody else. So what's the point of doing live training? What's the point of doing sparring with another person combatively if you can't even move correctly? How long, Petrus, would take you to a student, like a brand new student to spar, like roughly speaking? Normally I keep them away from sparring up till about maybe brown belt, so a couple of years. Without sparring? Uh, yeah, because they just... It's not worth it. Yeah, they pick up the bad habit. You can't get it out of there, you know? Because karate is like a triangle, you know? yeah. and each each one is equal. So you have to do basics equally. You have to do um, uh, cutter base, and you have to do fighting. If I, the only fighting they do is what we call um, nomination fighting, yeah. where it's controlled. You do basic attack and then basic set simulated set kind of. Yeah, so you, yeah. it's not like free fighting. Because yeah. once you get do once once you do free fighting, if yeah if you have a bad foot and your foot facing this all the time instead of this way. When you start fighting, your foot's going to be that way. And you want to do certain techniques and you're yeah. always going to be caught flat-footed until you can get your feet and your posture. You have to right retrain yourself, yeah. yeah. So, so you that, be- that's something that I just want to mention about jiu-jitsu because in jiu-jitsu, that's uncommon <coughs> to do that. It's uncommon for people to spend a year just doing techniques, just doing drills, just doing animal movements, carters, whatever. They don't do that. All we do... 
And this is something that, you know, Hicks and Gracie's talked about before and stuff as well. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll do, you know, a two weeks of this and that. All right, go there in the deep end. Go and, go and see what happens. I think that, look, it can work for some people, but for most people, it's such a stressful and uncomfortable situation. You're right. What they do is they start, you know, doing bad habits. They start developing, you know, oh, I'm afraid I want to do that. They get fearful already, so they're not even happy to exchange and stuff like that and actually like makes people retract into their shell a little bit and it damages their mm. kind of um progression and i just think it's interesting that question that you asked is like you guys do for a full two years of no sparring or no competitive sparring i think it's yeah, i agree i agree with you at the- and i think if i start sparring early they get hurt i don't want to do that more, right? yeah the last thing you want to do is get this shit to get hurt you know mm. so our type of fighting we have is what we call a sunburn Sambon, Gohan Kumite, um, Gohan Kumite, Jiupon, and then Jiu Kumite, which is the Jiu, it's a free fighting, everything goes. But all these other ones is all controlled. like Partial you, trainings, you would say. Yeah, like, so basically you get down in basic stance, you throw a punch at you, basically block and counter. Uh-huh. Because on, in that start, you learn your main thing to make a good fighter, which is your timing, your distance, and your uh, focus. Yeah. That's the the three main things that make you a good fighter. If you can't perfect those things, mm. you never become a good fighter. And those three things, when you do the five, uh, not your five um, uh, basic type of fighting, it filters through to your, to your main fighting. That's how I actually, that's how I learned at the beginning, like for, for like, instead of putting straight to a, a full training where, let's say you have like four, three classes of focus, you don't know many of the puzzle positions that you're going to fall into, so yeah. you have no knowledge to perform anything or totally overwhelming. You do a partial training. So you learn how to pass. You like for you learn how to pass and how to defend guard or one yeah. sweep. All right, this is the partial training. Open here and pass here. You know, both yeah. have knowledge. There you go. Because I think what you're saying about the triangle is super interesting. Like, so we're looking at the bottom, which is the biggest part of the triangle. That's where they're going to spend most of their time and that's where they're going to do most of that technique here with the foundation, correct? Yeah, so the triangle is an equal triangle. Yeah. So the equal triangle is all equal angles. So they all get trained equally the amount the same. It's saying so, that there's three main things you have to focus on, and if you go straight to live fight, sparring yeah. or whatever, you're only focusing on one point of the triangle. Yeah. So you do, And when, when I talk about fighting, oh, yeah, they don't fight for three or five years. They, they fight, they're not physically fighting, but they're doing basic fighting where yeah. they nominate so they can learn, okay, punches come into my head, I'm going to have to do this and that. And they get more advanced and they might do the suit and sweep. Well, yeah, it's the same as like a positional sparring in jiu-jitsu where you only focus on, all right, it's just passing or sweeping. It's just escaping submissions or submitting them. It's just la 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 la. Yeah. My, my view, and, and, and I haven't changed my view like it's 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 this, and I wanted to see if you agree with that for karate. For example, back on the day, people drill like so. You let's say you got side control, you're gonna do your um, kimura. Kimura. Yeah. You're gonna do your amba. You're gonna do one or two chokes. You know, plus transitions. Get to mount. You know. So you get really good at doing that. You get really good at understand because you're gonna do so proficiency. Uh, uh, so proficient and you're going to be like doing that so well that you can hold the guy you know what I mean you don't let the guy come out like you're extremely good at it and and then and then we're talking about years of doing that you know like passing the guy <coughs> this way or that way like you get so good at it 
Later on, you have the understanding and the ability to start and going to classes, etc. You know, and, and exchanging with people and coaches, you add something. But the foundation is super strong, so it's super easy to add things and be proficient at them. But I think people now want to jump steps. You know what I mean? Want to go straight to to something that looks nice, so that they that someone show them because it's also flowery. It's almost like going to a restaurant, and you know, when you go to a restaurant that does pizza, man the chances are the pizza is awesome because the guy does that for the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now you go to a restaurant that does pizza, uh, fish, uh, seafood, and steak, no, no, Man, everything's going to be average. Yeah. Like nothing's going to be good. Exactly. Do you know? Yeah. Do you feel that way or? Yeah, well, that's the way the karate works. You have to crawl before you can walk. You know? So we don't start walking when they do karate. And, um, and they understand it when they walk in the dojo and they start learning. Because they just to stand and punch are so technical. Yeah. And it takes them a long time to, to perfect Correct. that. And then, then you add in a forward stance, and now they've got 20 other elements to think of, plus the other 20 elements have to make a punch. So by the time they get to the fighting stage, the years have gone by. Right? So mm. I think that's important to note because, like, most of the Asian martial arts, particularly Japanese martial arts, you're going to spend a year of your time, minimum probably, just doing basic things. Like the same thing when we went to Japan, all the main judo guys that were there, they're like, oh, you want to go to the Kodokan? Yeah, yeah, the the main judo arena where they all train and all this stuff. Okay, you know what you're going to do for the first year? You're going to break fall. That's Mm -hmm. what you're going to do for a year. You're going to learn how to fall properly so you don't injure yourself when you fall. And then after that, maybe you'll start practicing some maneuvers and throws. But most people aren't willing to go through that first year or first two years of just building foundation. And, yeah. and, and particularly in Western countries, and we had um, Jim in here a couple of weeks ago talk about the same thing. Like the, the, all, most of the martial arts either had like a white belt and a black belt. There was two belts or they had two or three belts. Like even Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when it started, you were a white belt, a black belt or a Navy belt. And the Navy belt meant you're an instructor. Everybody else was a white belt or a black belt. The, the, the different colored belt system is a Western convention to be like, oh, well done, good yeah. job, here you go. Yeah, 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 correct, yeah, yeah. to keep them there. And Absolutely. I, I find it inspiring and I find it, you know, interesting to think about in like, especially in the Japanese culture where, man, they, 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 don't, they don't deviate based on how you feel. This is how it is, man. Yeah. yeah. You're going to do a year first before you do anything else. I, yeah. I remember... When I started traveling overseas, because in Japan it's not a white belt and black belt. Yeah. Uh, when you're in the university, you get the white belt and then the black belt is uh, first down or second down. When they're out of the university and they go train at the main dojo, they start over again. Yeah. So uh, a touring Japanese team came over to Australia and they were all white belts. And the guy said, geez, we could fight all these white belts. And I said, you wait and see. And they walked on the floor and they just wipe them all up, you know, because yeah. they, they're wiped by the current our second, third day, yeah. you know, these u- university kids, you know. They train seven days a week and twice, three times a day. Yeah. So that's that, that's the subject that they do at university. And they are so deadly, it's unbelievable. So when they walk around the white belt, <laughs> people like Australia think, oh, yeah, yeah it's just a white Easy. belt. No, that's not a white belt. Yeah. And that's really, that's really about giving foundation and make the build of the foundation there because they become like so good at that, you know, like you can have a blue belt like that will, will, get, will do really well against anyone, <laughs> you know what I mean, basically. That, that's something we've talked about with people before as well, like Fred. You remember Fred was talking about how when he started, man, he would just submit everyone with a triangle. He was so good at the triangle, he had a black belt level triangle. 
And then you can go, you can have guys that are like, you know, kids or you can have guys that are blue belts that can actually finish and submit a black belt, but they don't have the understanding. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the ability to teach. They don't have the ability to understand. They're just good at applying one area of jujitsu. And I think that's actually been lost a lot as, as things become more modern, even, even people that you're talking about, like people focus on so much more about appearance and vision and like, how am I going to be perceived rather than actually being effective? Like what the hell, man? That's the whole point you came here to be effective, to get fitter, to defend yourself, doing a high kick like this or doing a pirouette or being able to roll over your back or do a backflip or whatever. What does that change? Mm. doesn't change anything, but people really focus on that stuff more now, especially in Western countries because the whole society is based around That's it. sad for martial arts because people are thinking that it's about ticking box. Yeah. Oh, what is this position? And you go show them. They're like, oh, they don't yeah. even drill it. They don't even try to do in training. They just, it's like they want to please you, but they, they just lie to themselves. And the next day they come, oh, how about this one? It's like, man, you haven't even drilled that one. You haven't even done that one you asked yesterday. You know, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Is ticking boxes? Like we're doing... You know, 100%. It's yeah. fake, man. Yeah, and, and that's that's why, uh, like you guys do, you have, you have your beginner's class and intermediate advanced class. And mm. It's so important to have that, you know, because it's not only just trying to teach someone to walk before they can crawl, you know. Yeah. So they have to learn the fundamentals before they start. We, we do it similar, but I, I believe that probably the sparring component <coughs> for people that are pure beginners should be delayed a little more than yes. we do. Even yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like, um, the more because again, like, the, what's the point? Of yeah, you, reviewing that. You know what I mean? Like, all right, you can't really swim well. well here's the pool. Oh shit, <laughs> man, the guy's gonna drown, and that's what happens. Yeah, it's the yeah. same idea. It's just that you're not actually drowning. You're just getting destroyed by somebody else, or you, like, oh, we both don't know what to do. What do we do? And what happens? And let's say you put two really inexperienced guys doing karate. You know what they do? They do crazy shit. Yeah, they do. A, they do a haymaker. They do a great with no technique at all. I'm just going to... You're going to see everything except karate. Yeah, that's, karate. that's why I hate fucking lower belts because I get hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? They're just elbows and joints and they don't know how to yeah. Same, flow bro. with you. you know? yeah. I always tell people that the most dangerous training you can do is with a beginner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't have a clue what they're going to do. It's yeah. unpredictable. They have no idea what they're doing either and it's just completely unpredictable and un- you can't be aware of anything. You can't anticipate or control because they don't have no idea what they're yeah. doing. And I mean, that, that's where like in jiu-jitsu... Where, it's important to keep like doing a drill over and over. Like us in karate, same thing. Like I won't go further to another technique unless they're perfected that one. Otherwise, that mistake that they have there will just fall to through to the next one. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get to black belt, the mistake is so big, you just... Like I have black belts that come training me sometimes. And it's just impossible to try to get a technique. See the mistake there and try and teach them the technical side of them because they've got, the habit is so much in their brain that they, they, they can't get rid of it, you know? Mm. That's something for jiu-jitsu as well. And that's a lot of the time not even to do with technical stuff, with personality and attitude. Like yeah. some people that talk about they're like, man, sometimes it's not a gift receiving a black belt from another gym or moving here because, man, they've, been, they've developed their personality, their attitude, their techniques, everything, the way they behave and, and, and you know, and interact in the gym kind of um, environment is from a different situation. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, especially with jiu-jitsu, it's so diverse, man. Most people don't actually hold themselves to, like, a traditional standard of anything. It's just, I'm a black belt, open a gym, that's it. Like, there's no tradition, there's no... Um, uh, like this uh, ritualistic thing, whereas you know, with you, you're under a s- specific 
rule set um, type of um, karate where you go and interact with as a group and you go back to your places later on and teach that thing. That doesn't happen in jiu-jitsu. Nobody's drawing from one idea of stuff. It's just completely personal and individual. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that there's different things that you're going to have negativities of that. It's its own ecosystem, man. Yeah. If another person comes from another gym and they don't like it, they're going to go. Yeah. Or if another um, person comes here and tries to make it the way that they, it's not going to fit. Like it, this is its own inch ecosystem because you're not drawing from anything bigger. And there is a terrible mindset as well, which is about that thing about ticking box, like, which is like, oh, I got this belt, so I'm at this level now, and then I, I'm not going to learn from this person, or I'm not mm-hmm. learning from this experience because I'm this level. This entitlement is so dumb and stupid, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it takes the opportunity for you to be open minded, because that's where you're actually going to start to to understand, you know, like in Brazil, we say you want to get a black belt, man, you just start learning jiu-jitsu, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's and like those guys from the university that go back to a white belt, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same idea. You will, I learn a lot of stuff, like, from any belt. Like, I learn, if a guy is really good at one position, sometimes I haven't seen this position, jiu-jitsu is so vast. Mm. And, man, I have no problem whatsoever to ask him, why have you done it? There's many, many times, as many times as I need. And people have these, t- I already ticked this box, so I'm not going to ask her, a blue belt, what what technique is this? Because they're all blue and look bad. Man, you're idiots. Let's yeah. be honest. You know what I mean? You're not going to evolve as much as you could. So That's what, that's what always sticks in my mind. The saying that when, when I started a year, they used to say to me, jiu-jitsu is like a chess game. You know, you get in one position, you got to try to get out of it. And, and, and you're know, trying to outfox the other person by, by different moves, you know? Yeah. And it always sticks in my mind. What do you say? Huh? Jiu-jitsu is like a chess piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. We, we, you, what, you're just making... And it, but it's the same with karate. It's the same with stand-up and stuff like that. Now, it might be more um, intense. It might be more explosive or dynamic because you're on your feet and you move quicker. But it, it, it's the same. Like, you, you're doing the same chess game. There's little mm. intricacies of how you're moving to draw the person in so you can strike them and things like that. And it, it, it is a game. It is a, is it a playful thing. And the problem is... is even though it's a game, people play it with emotion rather than the understanding, the logic and the composure. And I, I think that bad habit comes from, again, people starting too intense stuff way too early on, mm-hmm. uh, which it, it's not wrong either because you can start things really intensely early on, but it will probably take you longer to get to a better position, to get to a, a clearer mind thing or... You do it the way you're doing, which I think is a better foundation building scenario where, you know, you spend two years building the foundation. Now you put people in a position where they're already fairly aware of everything. They kind of understand what things well, and then they can start applying it live. And the people that that I notice that are better at jiu-jitsu or that do better, they have removed that emotional component. And it's completely logical and systematic. You know I mean? They're applying the techniques without them their own... You know what I mean? Their, their own input. You're, you're just using your body as a machine. You know what I mean? You're just reacting and moving and doing the things that you need to do, whether it's jiu-jitsu and doing arm drags or, you know, punching a guy in the face or what. But when when people react emotionally or their emotion is involved inside the technique, it ruins it because you're not performing the movement. You're now trying to do it your, the way you want to do it. You're, you're trying to force something or create it through how you feel. But it's not about how you feel. This is happening, and you either you react the way that you need to, or you're going to react the way that's incorrect. And I find always that 
the more emotional people are, generally, the less effective they are with whatever they're doing. The more logical and the more concise and accurate they are and systematic they are, the more effective they are overall. That's what I believe anyway. Yeah, and, and going back to uh, talking about other people coming into the dojo training, yeah. and the thing is I, what I, t- I tell a lot of people when they walk in is that if you don't walk in the, in the dojo with an empty mind, it's full, mm. nothing's going to get in there. You know? yeah. When you walk on that floor, this must be empty. You know? True. Then you get to learn. You know? It's very and, and, and good like a lot of times when you get um, black belts that come through, you know, yeah. they train and they, in the head, you know, they say, oh, but we taught this, we were taught this, we were taught that. And my, touched it, my instructor said me to do this. Mm. So then they don't, don't listen to what you're trying to teach them. Because you know? yeah. really they're fighting you because of what they've really yeah. And the thing is, like, I had a black belt lady come training me the other night. She, and she had so many mistakes, you know. It was just like... For me to get a ride, I had to start a bit for, as a white belt again. Yeah. And then afterwards, um, um, because she did, did some Shotokan style, which was a breakaway, and I said, you know, that's one thing about the JKA is when we go to Japan, we learn things, the whole world, so they standardise everything when yeah. we come back again. And she said, oh, yeah, we, we still learn tradition. We, we learn what Fanakushi taught. And I said to her, you can't teach or learn what he did uh, 70 years ago, you know. People have evolved, techniques have evolved, yeah. and body has changed. and So they're still teaching things those years ago which worked for those years, but doesn't work in today's society. You know? yeah. So it's, if they, like I said earlier on, if they don't have that international connection where they can go learn, the, the instructors only get to teach what he can teach. Then they've got to go back and refer to books, you know, instead mm-hmm. of going to teach and learn from someone that's been practising that every day yeah. and, and dicing it up and put it in there and put it there and then training. It is super important. Yeah. It is super and important. And that's why I hate teaching other black belts when they come through because their mind is not empty, you know, they're yeah. just yeah. full of all Like you stuff. said, they're already fighting you before they even, like, man, they're coming there to learn from you and they're yeah. fighting you on the thing. And, and that's funny, like, there's so many people that's i get it though because you're kind of putting you're highlighting and we've talked about this before like man you even have people that come in here and you're like oh um yeah i'm paying paying you to get my ass kicked and you're like what (laughs) yeah you kind of are but the thing is is like nobody enjoys the fact that you like whatever martial art is it highlights so much your weakest aspects of yourself or your character you know what i mean and because you're highlighting that people get defensive you know what I mean? They get very defensive. And the fact that you're pointing out or even just the training that they did with somebody else points out that, you know, they're not very good or they're flawed in certain areas, it's upsetting for people. Yeah, so yeah, their yeah. first response is always defensive. Ah, oh, I can't believe it. You know, oh, oh well, actually, la, la, la. Do you really think that that's what I was doing? Like, look, man, or whoever it is, look, lady, like, this is not personal. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to make you out to be this horrible individual or an idiot or whatever. I'm just saying, like, look, this is what happened. This is a situation. And you've got two ways you can adapt to this. You can cry. You can go home. And you can say, this is crap. I'm never going back to that gym because that guy's an asshole. Or you can go, holy shit, you know what? You know what? I think that person's got some truth to what they're Let saying. Let me try this. Let me look into that yeah. and see if they're actually um, telling the truth. Oh, and most of the time you're going to find... The person's just trying to help you. They're not yeah. trying to put you down. They're not trying to make you an arsehole or an idiot. They're just trying to help you out. And it's such a weird culture now in Western society. Like, if you do those things now, which is what you should do as a coach, mm. 
most people are offended or upset and they want to leave. They don't want to be involved with or whatever. And it's that's where that thing that you talked about before of that line of reality versus, you know, making people feel good and giving them a little pat that's on the back. That's why I felt like when I go do Pilates classes and there's all the ladies, you know, as a minority <laughs> guys like myself, and they go, hi, you, you, everyone's doing wonderful today. Well done. <laughs> you know, everything's yeah. beautiful. I, I, you know, like, yeah. man, it's something... But sometimes you have to talk to people individually, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's a, it's coaching and it's good for you. It's at the end. If if the coach didn't care, he wouldn't talk to you. If he's actually talking, that's the perception yeah, that's of exactly right. If the guy's yeah. taking his time yeah. to go and tell you because he wants to get you better, that's like, it should be... That's the... I think that the, the Asian cultures do it really well, you know, that respect for the feedback, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think Brazilians also take that really well. Like, in some other countries, people go... Oh, but you're talking bad about me. Why am I, mama? This is not too hard. No, no, this is good for you. Like, take it. And and I think also that, like, if people should adopt this idea that, like, man, most of the time, if you're doing great, people aren't going to talk to you that much or tell you or correct you. They're just going to be like, man, good job, whatever. They're not going to have these massive conversations with you. So if you're doing the right thing, man, n- no, like, conversations is good. It's generally a positive thing. Like, no one's bringing you up or anything or telling you off or doing it, man, great, you're doing perfect. The problem is, especially in Western societies, like that reward thing of the changing the belt system is we always need to be patted on the back. We always need to be like, oh, you're good boy, good work, your kicks are getting great, well done. And the thing is, is that's not always necessary, man, but we, most people feel that way, like, oh, they're not even telling me that I feel good, I'm going to go somewhere else where they do tell me I feel good, even if... The training's worse, even if you're not learning anything, even if you hey, just want to feel good. The thing is, you should feel good about yourself, about your improvement, how the training's going, and you need to focus on this stuff instead of like, oh, the guy didn't tell me that I smelled nice today, or the guy didn't tell me that my kicks are looking bad. Man, I wish, you know what I mean? Like, I wish, like, uh, when my coach came here, like, he did a couple seminars and stayed here with us for a week or 10 days, he told me one thing, only one thing, and that's what I think people like. You don't need to react at the right, right there. Mm. Don't worry about it. Go and think about it. Reflect about it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like don't, don't go in the heat of the moment because it might be defensive. Mm. You know what I mean? But take it. Take it and think about it. Go through it. It might take a couple of days. It might, and then you just think through it. And I wish, sometimes I always thought about that. You probably had the same. Uh, I wish I got more feedbacks. You know what I mean? Like I wish yeah. I have people like coaching me more like through my life and going, man, maybe try to do this more, maybe try that. Oh, your game is good. Maybe add this position here, you know, which I do a lot of with Sometimes I ask me, I, I get in this position here, what I do, and he gives me, which is great that I have that people around me now that I can do that. But for a long time, no one have that knowledge here to give me that. But So I'm, I love getting feedback, man. I mm-hmm. wish I can get more feedbacks, you know what I mean? It's rare for people to seek, um, you know, input. It's, r- it's rare for people to seek out feedback on how to improve it's rare like most people don't want to know because the thing is is a lot of the time it's going to be not so like oh coochie coochie coo everything's great man it's going to be what people think is negative it's not negative man the people telling you how to improve and how to do things better is a necessary process to improving if you just pretend that everything's you know rainbows and sunshine all the time you can't get better you have to recognize a problem to improve you have to, re- man, this is what I did the entire time I did jiu-jitsu. I would go to Abu Dhabi, I'd go somewhere and go, man, everybody's doing very well. I don't know how that shit works, got to do it. 
you go, oh man, you, you're not taking it back at all. You're choking wrong, whatever. Oh shit, got to do it. And man, what I'll do is spend four or five weeks on it, whatever, and start to get good at it. Sure. And then from then on, continue to improve and continue to improve. The problem is, is like most people are so offended by that whatever you say that they go into like a dark place and they get all defensive and they're like, I'm not even going to do jiu-jitsu anymore. I, uh, man, this is opportunity to grow. And there's only two ways you can approach it. You can go depressed and go, oh man, life sucks. Everyone hates me. I'm the worst. And tell yourself that you're a loser and all this stuff. Or you can go, you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity and I'm going to get even better than the guy said or I'm going to prove them wrong. Whatever. I don't care how you do it. Just choose to, man, get better. Use it as an opportunity to improve rather than to, oh, life sucks. When, when, when. And people think that the advice in jiu-jitsu, a lot of people that, that doesn't know how to take feedback, they think a feedback is come with like a, a recipe of a cake and go, okay, well, get the gear here and do this. Like, no, yeah. maybe you need to pass more to the left. Maybe you're not taking people's back at all. You, 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 the position is there. You're not going for this position, you know? Mm. Maybe you have to try to um, sweep to the left more. You only sweep to the right, you know what I mean? Like things that are like, that you open, once you address, you get so much better than only having one position. I think, I think people could really um, figure out themselves more opportunities or more options if they actually analyze though. You know what I mean? People will listen to your feedback a lot of the time and they'll just either ignore it or they'll do that whole depressed like, oh, and feel bad about themselves. A lot of the people, the best way to deal with it for them because they don't want to feel bad and nobody does. I don't want to feel bad. I don't want you to tell me that I'm shit <coughs> at jiu-jitsu or I'm doing this stuff wrong, but it's a necessary process to improve. True. And, and the thing is, is they'll do so many different tactics to just avoid accountability or avoid responsibility for it. Because you know what? It feels bad. Oh, it feels bad. I'm not going to feel bad today. Not not today. And especially me. Wood. Look at me and my belt. Yeah, I've got, got my belt. belt. I've got a brown belt today. They or I've got a black belt from the gym. Yesterday? Yeah. It is like touching on, touching on what you said earlier. Is like in karate and other sports, like um, if the instructor is picking on you all the time, it's because he notices you. Yeah. If they don't pick on me, they're not noticed. So I always tell my student, feel proud if I'm only to you. Exactly. I'm only to you for a good reason, not, like I said, yeah. to down you. It's, it's because I notice you, and I notice your mistake. And, and I want potential. To yeah, to this, this is something also that most of the people that you do, not pick on, but you you kind of fixate focus, on yeah, and focus yeah. on, Correct. is you see that they have a bigger potential, they have a better <clears> capacity <throat> to do things better or whatever. They're, they're already doing so, so many things well. They're doing already so many different other areas in such a good foundation or whatever. And you go, oh, look, man, if you just change this one thing, it's going to improve. If you change this one thing, it's going to get better. Yeah. But what I realize, Petrus, nowadays, like after years teaching, is that you are, there's people that are not willing to open their mind and receive this information. So I'm not going to waste the, yeah. the pressures. I have to focus on someone that's willing to take that mm. and go and try to do it. Otherwise... My input is not going to make any difference. I can give input to someone that will make a difference. So right. that's why it's so important as a student to have an open mind and to accept uh, accept this criticism, this constructive criticism, because you're just going to get benefits out of it. Otherwise, the coach is going to focus on someone else because you're going to be not no, not taking sure. nothing, yeah. not making nothing of it, and it's a waste for the coach. I always time. I always struggle with that. When I first started coaching, I would always try to force people to get it right, get it right, but it doesn't work. Because you think people will take <laughs> it. I, because, no. man, I was like, man, these guys are not getting good. You need to get good. This is the uh, point that I'm here. I'm going to make everybody good. And I can't force that. Yeah, and that's where I go back to saying, like uh, I tell the students, when you walk in my door, man, make sure you've got an empty mind. Don't bring your problems in, the, in your head. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to learn, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
come in that data with an empty True. mind, you go out with full without putting your head, you know. Yeah. And the thing is, too, is like, um, especially in karate, like when, the, when they're doing, we're all doing the same movement. So I might pick on one person and I say to this class and the person, I say, I'm not picking on you. You have the mistake that everybody else has a mistake. So instead of me going to every single person, I'll tell you what you're doing wrong and then go for everybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. And they understand it. They understand that uh, if I'm picking on them, I'm not picking on them, I'm correcting them to make them better. Yeah. And everybody else is aware. That mistake I'm telling him, they have the same They're mistake. They're going to notice you know? it in their own And, and I understand that because we're all doing the same set movement five times up, five times back, and not change another technique. And so by the time, I, the time we're doing it, that person will have the same mistake as this person. So instead of going and say, do that, do that, do that so, uh, 20 times, you just say once to one person and then everybody else understands uh, that their mistake is the same as that person. Mm-hmm. Well, Patrice, look, um, man, it's um, we haven't got the Thailand yet. I think we can. I think we can do this like for another hour. Yeah. Easy, easy, Patrice. Um, especially because we 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 all have a passion for Thailand. We can uh, talk about the Thailand tourism sector. I first got to do the book before we put that to video. Yes, yes, yes. Book, Netflix, documentary, and but everything. I must say one thing about what I loved about uh, jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm. is you get the food. food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> barbecue. Yeah. You get fit and you lose weight. Yeah, true. Guarantee. You know? And uh, when I first joined, uh, I was a bit bigger than I am now, and jiu-jitsu just peeled it off for me. You know? yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to come back again. You know? so, Do you know another thing, Patrice? Uh, the other thing good about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you get uh, surrounded by people like yourself, which is a huge pleasure for us to have you. Um, mm. Man, it was always like you were always a fantastic person. A great uh, inspiration, you know what I mean? Like, I, lo- I love to have you at the gym. Um, I hope I'll see you soon again, you know what I mean? Like, and I think it was uh, about time. That's yeah, pretty absolutely, sweet. man. Absolutely about time, yeah, man. For me, I'm yeah. so, I think Anthony is the same, and I'm, I feel so rewarded to have the opportunity to have these conversations, you know what I mean? Like, and, and like, aside from you to have these deep conversations to people that we, we, we appreciate and they have a story to tell. And uh, this stays for for the forever, you know what I mean. So, man, I really appreciate you coming today. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. Thank uh, you. I love you. Loved you guys. Yeah, man, thank you so today. much for coming along, man. It's just, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's a pleasure to you know talk talk your wisdom and and man, like a lot of the things about coaching and stuff like that because man, you've got fifty years of experience of, yes. of coaching um, martial arts, man. And that was amazing for coaching us. People, it was yeah. a lot of like uh, uh, instruction and in coaching department as well. Small ideas, which we can think, take. Yeah. That, 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 are really, nice that are really interesting and important. And that's the stuff that we've been talking about starting to implement. And, you know, it just, it's even better that you're kind of reinforcing that. Yeah. It's we, such an important idea. Yeah, We always try to improve our methodology. You know what I mean? We always keep trying to improve everything we do. So the great, great inputs you gave us today, we're going to take it on board. And, uh, yeah, we'll and that's, that's the important thing about um, having having someone that you said to, Tell you your mistakes that you can teach. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's why I go. That's why I go to Japan. So I learn from them, and my, I grow. My club grows. You know? If yeah. I don't grow, my club don't get to grow. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's a two-way thing. Absolutely. They pay for me to go to Japan, and they pay for me to teach them at home. <laughs> but for me, it's not about the money. It's yeah. more about the glory I get about seeing this person develop absolutely. from nothing into. A mean machine that yeah. walks around. this aura around them. You know? Yeah, you, you completely change their their personality, yeah. their, their their confidence, and their attitude, and the way they're carrying themselves, and they're just the joy of life. Man, changes because 
they're not in a, in a position of fear anymore. Mm. Man, a lot of people walk around scared, dude. And you, and you you take away that fear. You give them power back in life, man. And that joy is priceless, Patrice. That yeah. joy, the companionship, you know what I mean? When you get people right, people that understand and appreciate, like have the gratitude for the, the input you gave on their lives, man, that's priceless. Eh? That's what we yeah. want. And then the downfall about what gets me every time is you take a person 10, 15 years and then they give up. Yeah. And they get yes. the black belt and they give up. Ah, all that hard effort I put into you to make you what you are and you just yeah. throw it away. You know? Yeah, but man, you can't control that. Some yeah. people are going to stop. Some I people, know. Yeah. And it's so hard because you, 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 you know see, you see the potential and then the... You just can do nothing yeah. about yeah. it. You can do nothing about it. You're right, man. Yeah, thank you very much thank you guys and the coffee was great again coffee was great <laughs> mate, that, mate, well, can I, I don't want to taste it fresh like yeah, yeah good 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 <laughs> can't wait to have another coffee with you my friend <laughs> for sure. yeah thank we'll, you. we'll definitely have to have you back and talk about some other stuff and tra- your, all your travels talk about your girlfriends yeah, in Switzerland yeah, yeah, yeah. and all around the world and everything that'll be interesting alright yeah your your uh, fly, airline uh, tie airways uh, partnership you have as well you know <laughs> yeah. and all that yeah. All righty, Petra. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much, you so man. Much, really man. appreciate it. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. Pleasure, bro. Good to see you. Nice to see you, guys. Good to see you.